0: Brandon Peel. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn, and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work, and on this show, we equip CEOs and people-first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Hey, Gut Plus Science listeners, it's Nikki, and today I'm talking with Brandon Peel. Co founder of Unity Lab, about something that lights him up so much that he's built a company around it. Yay, Brandon, you go. We're talking about purpose and belonging and how the workplace can fuel this. Let's get to it. Brandon, welcome to Gut Plus Science. I know you are passionate about the statement you can't mandate culture. Tell us about that.
1: Well, folks have certainly tried to do that. And Pre pandemic, I think that was pretty much the mentality. I just top down, put a bunch of smart MBAs in the room, you know, maybe bring in the head of HR and say, this is the culture we want to have. Slap it on a wall, slap it on a website. Uh, we'll talk about it in onboarding. You know, we'll create awards around it. And essentially what's happened is that the employer employee contract was renegotiated during COVID. Folks really took on that hey, listen, I need to be fulfilled. I need to feel like I belong. And so it was almost like an inversion of the employer value proposition. Now it starts at the bottom. To actually create culture, you have to bring out people's uniqueness, their own purpose and values, so that they can be a culture ad as opposed to being a top-down, trying to confit, confort, uh, what am I trying to say? (laughs) Contort (laughs) and fit oneself into this, predetermined company culture. It just doesn't work anymore. And that's why folks are leaving and trying to find places that are really welcoming the whole human.
0: Absolutely. And so let's illustrate, just to get clear on some like visualization, since this is an audio podcast. What do companies who mandate culture look like? Give us some examples.
1: Yeah. I'm not going to mince words here. Generally very white male on top. And what they historically do is either they mandate culture by paying no attention to it and therefore just kind of naturally arises based on our internal biases, all sorts of systemic inequities. And so what you end up happening is white folks building relationships with white folks, folks who aren't white building relationships with themselves, women creating their own insular networks. And so you end up having essentially one company with multiple different cultures across department, across sexuality, gender, race. So that's one version of the mandate, like mandate by abdication, by just saying culture doesn't matter. Now, the other version is usually this kind of office space type thing where it's like, and Fridays Hawaiian shirt day. And everyone's like, eh, like, (laughs) this is so lame. Like, we don't respect you. We don't like you. You've never taken two seconds to get to know us. We're not going to put on a Hawaiian shirt. And so the flip side of that is actually standing for and creating the space for each person to bring their fullness, their purpose and values, their creativity, their wild ideas, their dissenting opinions, and have the culture actually be informed by the whole person that's in, that, in the room.
0: Absolutely. And Brandon, you mentioned the massive shift that we've had in recent years around the way we work today. So for companies who have done a good job of reworking their... Contracts or their covenants with their people. Can you just share what you've seen some of those companies do to really realign and reset on like the core of the individual employee and building from there?
1: Yeah. Well, I would say that the company that comes to mind is Gravity Payments, Dan Price's company. He's put every employee at choice, saying, like, you get to say how long you work, you get to say where you work. You get to say how you work. And so that's like step one is this acknowledging the agency and autonomy of every single human being, because we all are bringing in different life situations, different neighborhoods, different family things, different health things. And if you say, all right, everybody return to work, be in your chair by nine and, you know, show up this meeting, dress this way. It just, that doesn't work anymore. And folks like Dan Price at Gravity Payments are really leading the way there. I'd say the second piece that what these companies are doing is they're actually creating the space for people to discover their purpose and bring it to work. And that's one of the things my company does, among a few others. So, you know, there was that Kinsey study that came out uh, last year that showed that two thirds of employees have revisited their purpose in life during the pandemic. And 90% of us want purpose aligned work, but only 15% of it think it's possible of us think it's possible in our current roles and jobs. So there's this huge purpose gap, this giant talent business risk, because people want to be fulfilled, but they don't think it's possible. So the ones who are winning are the ones who are saying, you can be fulfilled here. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to hire you a purpose coach. We're going to put you in a purpose program. So they're they're basically creating opportunities for employees to activate their purpose at work and to build relationships with each other across difference. Because that's those are kind of the two key liberating aspects of a post-COVID culture is that there has to be purpose and meaning on board and there has to be belonging on board. And when we create the conditions for that, folks like what they do, they like who they work with, and they stay.
0: Hmm. Yes, absolutely. So before we start diving into all these solid ideas around how to move the needle on culture, I want to dig in a little bit more on some of the things that are many times overlooked that are still happening. So you mentioned like the Hawaiian shirt day snooze fest, right? Like doing things that like no one grabs onto. But before we like go too much deeper, I just want to think about some of the like employee engagement initiatives or culture builders that you see a lot of people still doing, but they don't work before we go into like, okay, here's what works. Anything else come to mind?
1: Everything comes to mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or like, do we have enough time in three minutes for you to share like your, your top suggestions, I guess?
1: Well, yes. So, and I flesh this out in greater detail. I believe it's chapter four of my Purpose Work Nation. But, but essentially the status quo for learning and development, for wellness, for diversity and inclusion doesn't work. So what, what's happening right now in learning and development is more the same. They're taking live trainings and just moving them to Zoom and folks are bored. They're Zoomed out. And because of the forgetting curve, you know, most l d is still like a one-time training thing. Oh, you're going to go learn about emotional intelligence for 45 minutes. Within seven days, each employee has forgotten 90% of everything that happened in that room. Uh, similarly, with diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives, it's oftentimes a one-time training around systemic racism or unconscious bias. And what they find is even if folks have a powerful experience in those trainings, they revert to the norm in terms of their beliefs and behaviors within 24 hours. So those are some of the mechanics why that HBR study showed that we've had neutral to negative outcomes in DEI over the last two decades. Because we're not creating these sustained connections, these sustained social learning environments for folks to develop relationships, for folks to basically scaffold their learning in a way that's enriched by by their employee, by their fellow employees versus just like me alone learning a thing and then trying to like show up without ever having talked with anybody I work with about that thing. Like, oh, I'm going to try to be inclusive now. Nikki, that was a great idea. Will you share that in the meeting? Like what they find is that most folks just don't take those actions. So we create essentially the, the container, the, the structure for folks to have transformative experiences over time with each other, and then also taking new actions at work and being held accountable by their small groups.
0: So good. So you said help them, a couple minutes ago I captured this, help them discover their purpose and bring it to work. I'd love to break this down as a core, just the core the center of what we're really going to talk about in building a healthy culture and healthy people. Will you talk about, just elaborate a little bit on that statement, discover their purpose and bring it to work.
1: Yeah. So you know, I mentioned earlier that purpose is a great liberating force. There is a wealth of research on the power of purpose at the individual level, organizational level, societal level. You can find that at scienceofpurpose.org. But basically, when the individual discovers their purpose, they're 175% more productive. So almost two times more productive than they were before purpose. And that's because they're bringing their, their full self to solving the problems are bringing their courage to to say, I got a different opinion on this. I don't think you're going to like it, but I need to share it with you. Stuff that they normally would have sat on. Individuals are also more innovative. They're more likely to be chosen to be a leader. So at the individual level, like if if you care about people, if you want people to stay and grow and develop, it has to start with purpose. Uh, At the organizational level, that's where you see some of the, the really big wins around stock price appreciation, profitability. For every... Person who knows their purpose and feels like they belong, they add $20,000 in productivity per person per year. So, very few things that you can do from a a culture, training, and development perspective that will do more for an organization's health than activate purpose. Employees are also over three times more committed to the organization if they know their purpose, and their 10 years are longer. So, great resignation, reshuffle, whatever we're calling it these days. Folks who know their purpose stay an average of seven and a half months longer because they're on fire. You know, they they can do their best work. They can connect authentically. So individuals win, organizations win. And then when we do this in a social learning environment where folks are not only discovering their purpose and values, but taking the new actions driven by them at work and then sharing that across difference, we create really conditions for trust, for empathy. And that's really what starts to heal Broader society. When I learn to trust you, you trust me across difference.
0: So, purpose and then belonging are the two keys that you've shared with me prior and then you're bringing up today that take top priority in what we need to pour into and develop in our people. Can you, first of all, touch on belonging? And then I want to talk about how we scale these things.
1: Yeah. So, Uh, Belonging basically just comes down to mattering, comes down to dignity. It comes down to knowing that you can bring your whole self into a relationship or to an organization and feel that it's okay, that you don't have to put yourself into a tiny box. You don't have to code switch. You don't have to become somebody you're not to do your job. And that's one of the reasons why many diverse populations don't want to go back to the office because they like the equality, the anonymity, that they don't have to code switch all the time. They can just do their job, go to the meeting, say their thing, and then go back. Now, if you want folks to want to come to the office, we have to create the conditions for inclusion and belonging. And so how do we do that? Basically means everyone needs to bring their full self to work. And so if we talk about scalability. That's where the Unity Lab approach comes in. Because we can activate this across an entire employee population. Because all these groups are self-facilitated. So there's no expensive trainers. There's no expensive coaches. There's no expensive offsites. There's just a, a platform that manages the workflow. And then these small groups have their conversations and start to build these relationships that... Well, it, essentially, in these small groups, folks are sharing stuff that they've often never shared in professional context. And sometimes have never shared with anyone else in their whole life. So even though this, this isn't group therapy, we create the conditions with group agreements that allow folks to be fully transparent. And that's really, you know, it's the same business. You know, people do business with people they like. Well, you can't like someone if you don't know anything about them. So if you create the condition for them to share who they really are, you start to empathize with them and trust them.
0: hmm And so, Brandon, I know your company, Unity Lab, really helps, like you shared, to scale these initiatives, really scaling culture, focusing on the most important items that move the needle and really guiding that for leaders in their organizations. If you could now really unpack like a framework for us on what does this look like? You know, we've we've talked about purpose and belonging being priorities. How do you then take it from there to really help us understand what are the key factors to really scaling this for a uniform experience organization-wide?
1: Yeah. So first we have to get buy-in from senior leadership. Like we need new approaches to retention, new approaches to people development, new approaches to inclusion. Because odds are they probably already know it, but they need to be like, okay, we have to try something different. One of the key things to, to put in place is this understanding that our workforce is increasingly distributed and diverse, meaning it's not going to go back to the old way anytime soon. So folks are hiring folks, our companies are hiring folks all over the nation, sometimes all over the world. Well, how do you build belonging if you've never met that person or you only get to see them once or twice a year? So what we need are ways that are digitally native to connect people wherever they work so that they can learn and develop over time. So our structure, and this is substantiated by uh, case studies, and evidence, and best practices, all that I lay out in the back half of Purpose Work Nation. But What we do is we uh, have a live cohort-wide kickoff call. So everybody who's going through that program comes to that call to get to meet their small groups, do a little bit of ice breaking, and then they set up their five small group sessions. And then they get put into essentially a distributed social learning environment. What that means is that, Let's say, Nikki, you and I and two other folks are in a small group together. We watch a short video. We do one exercise, reflect on our purpose and values. One exercise where we're taking that new action at work. And then we have a one-hour peer facilitated conversation. Let's say you'll be the facilitator for the first session. You move through a discussion guide. I'll be the one for the second. And then I'll just keep rotating until we've completed five of these small group modules. Then we have a kickoff call at the end, completion call at the end. And what happens after the second or third small group meeting, the walls really fall down, meaning these folks start to see like, wow, these are my people. I can be myself with them. So they've had almost like an initiatory experience where they think, wow, this is this is so unique. I've never had anything like this in my life or in my career. And so sessions three, four, five, it's just like the doors are open and folks are going there Going deep about what matters to them, what their experience is, bringing their life outside of the office into it, into these, these conversations and relationships. So, what by the time we get to the uh, live completion call, folks are like, "I've got my besties." And then in that call, they also see that, "Wow, everyone in my entire organization had the same experience." Like, there's a new sheriff in town. Like, we're a different company today. So. That's the mechanics of how it works, and the results of this are that folks or over three-quarters of folks develop new daily habits, 98 percent of folks feel that they have uh, respect from their diverse peers, 96 percent feel empathy from their diverse peers, and 94 percent feel safe sharing their fears and anxieties. So essentially what we're creating is the conditions for wholeness, for people to be themselves, regardless of who they're talking to.
0: Okay, I have a couple of questions that I've jotted down as you've, you know, dove into like how we scale. Please. Going back to the priority of getting executive buy-in, what do you think is the most common leadership mindset or mentality shift that you see during that buy-in process? That's they were typically here and then this is the light bulb that helped them to make that adoption, if you will.
1: Yeah. Well, so there's a few things. One I already touched on, one is like the whole top-down, bunch of MBAs in a room thing doesn't work anymore. Lots of research on that doesn't work, especially in the world now. It's increasingly volatile, and uncertain, chaotic, ambiguous. There's just not enough time to figure it all out in advance. So we're kind of flipping the logic of the, of the entire management ethos, saying, if we're going to be able to respond, to meet customer needs, to create the, the next level of service and the next level of value for the company. We have to bring everybody to the table. That's not a big like, all right, I want to hear from everybody in the company on everything. It's just saying like, no, we're going to empower you because you already know your purpose and values to go make the right decisions and just make sure that you check in with everybody about what you're doing. And so it's it's really adopting more of a sense and feel, uh, more of an agility mindset, but it has to be centered in purpose and values. Otherwise... Without purpose and values, folks are going to be like, hey, I got this great idea. We're now selling dog food. We're like, well, we're a professional services company. We're not doing that. Like it has to be centered in like what people are really about and their own commitment to that organization.
0: And you may have just answered my other question that I had, but I'm going to make sure. So you, purpose and values might be the answer. But here's the question. Building up to the time period where team members are open, comfortable, transparent, Can you reiterate what has to be in place from the beginning and foundational all throughout so that people can get there?
1: Yeah. So what comes up in a lot of these programs, because at the end we ask them like, all right, well, give us your feedback about how to make this company work for you and your purpose and values. And oftentimes leaders haven't really put in place the table stakes. So everyone needs to make a living wage because that's going to come up. Because if folks are like equity is one of my values, and I realize that half of this company doesn't make a living wage, it doesn't work for me. So living wage matters. That's usually four times what somebody's paying in rent and mortgage. Very few companies are paying that. <laughs> Similarly, with uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, you have to have a commitment for DEI, and you have to have resources and time allotted to fulfill on those goals. Because that's going to come up when. And purpose and values get activated. And then put people at choice like Dan Price does. Allow them to set their schedules, to manage their own commitments, and really to take direction over their career path. Because once they have their purpose and values, they're going to see like, yeah, I want to go into this department, this role. i want to create this value. Once those are in place, those kind of table stakes, then purpose and values really get to do their thing. But if all you're going to do is purpose and values and not do anything else that honors the dignity of the people there, it's not going to work. If all you're going to do is DEI and flex time without purpose and values activation, it's not going to work. You got to do them both.
0: That's so good. So Brandon, I've really enjoyed learning alongside you. And I know that this topic is so hard to pack into a A podcast episode, I'm almost like, okay, if I ask one more question, we're gonna go for another 20 (laughs) minutes because it's just so big. (laughs) And I, I encourage our listeners that if this is intriguing, where you know, you're starting to think one of my challenges is around scaling some of the things that have worked, but not figuring you haven't been able to figure out how to do that. Like that is what Unity Lab does. That is Brandon's expertise and his jam. So I encourage you to reach out. But Brandon, before we transition over to the lightning round, is there anything else that you can think of we didn't touch on? around some of the things that our listener leaders might be doing that they need to stop and then ways of thinking or just like best practices from big bucket items that we didn't touch on?
1: Well, one of the things that I share about in the front half of my book is that now business is in the pole position for national renewal. Like government, religion, education, journalism have been on a multi-decade long slide. Like help is not coming for the United States of America. Like it's not coming. It has to happen here. And each business is essentially a sovereign nation, you know, with their own healthcare function, education function. It's basically, it's the plow, the hospital, the alehouse. Like it's, it's the center point of the American experience is folks' employment environment. And so if I could hit anything, it's like recognize that if this nation is is going to succeed if if the republic w- is going to continue to stand in the next 2 or 4 years business has to take a leadership role by nurturing empathy and trust across difference otherwise you know all the research shows we're we're headed for civil war so there's a moral imperative here to connect people to activate people because that then flows out into their families into their communities and their societies yeah too much is given much is asked <laughs> <laughs> and going back to
0: like, be the change. Like this is the time where all of us have to. It's not an aspirational thing. It's like, we must be the change we want to see in the world. So yeah, such a great point to end on. Thank you so much for your time today and all that you've shared. And again, scaling culture is a massive initiative that I think you make much more simple. Not easy, but much more simple. And I just encourage our listeners, if you're looking for a framework to do that, Brandon is, is awesome. He and his team. We're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor message today, and we'll be right back with what we call our lightning round, where we get to learn just a little bit more about the personal side of you, Brandon. We'll be right back. If you're leading with a people-first mindset, which most likely you are because you're listening to Gut Plus Science, join People Forward Network, the largest community of humans on a shared mission to lead meaningful work. You can find us at peopleforwardnetwork.com or follow People Forward Network on LinkedIn. All right. Hey, it's Nikki, and we're back on Gut Plus Science with our lightning round. Brandon Peel is with us today, and we've been diving into all things culture and how to scale it and what's core and key and foundational. It's been a really great conversation. So Brandon, we do this fun thing at the end of Gut Plus Science just to, well, pick up a new book to read because we want your recommendations and just learn of great practices that you do outside of work and how to connect with you. So here we go. Favorite book of all time or favorite recent read?
1: Favorite recent read is Bullshit Jobs by David Graeber.
0: Oh, hey, that's a new one for my list. I'm excited about that. Okay. It's amazing. All right. And then a favorite hobby when you're not working?
1: Mm. Playing dirty country songs on the guitar.
0: Nice. I love it. And then how about your favorite vacation spot?
1: Ooh, Baja, Mexico. Nice.
0: And then, Brandon, how can our listeners connect with you after the show?
1: You can go to brandonpeel.com that has all the links or, or unitylab.co if you work in an organization you want to unlock purpose and blogging.
0: Brandon, it was such a joy to have you on Gut Plus Science today. I loved our conversation and here's my truth you can act on from what we learned from you. Number one, eliminate silo efforts. For example, make training a journey, not a one-time thing or check the box, meet the budget, How can all efforts that we're doing to build culture and support our people flow in and out of each other, supporting and reinforcing? Number two, purpose and belonging are the two highest priorities for scaling culture. How are you helping people discover their purpose and apply it? And then how are you intentionally working to help people feel a part of the team, bringing their real authentic, unmuted self to work? And number three, top-down leadership models do not work we need to center our efforts around individual purpose strategy as the core priority. We'll see you next time. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.